Let me entertain you. Welcome to another episode of Let Me Entertain You, where I take you inside the minds of musical theatre. Bonnie Lithgow is one of the loveliest ladies in the industry. Bonnie has brought to Sydney her sixth pantomime. She is directing Jack and the Beanstalk in 3D, and I was lucky to sit down and talk to her during a break. This is a great interview for anyone who is new to the art of pantomime, as we talk about the theatre rules and what to expect when you sit in the audience. You will also get to know a little bit more about Bonnie and discover she is an intelligent and strong woman forging her own path in the industry with lots of success. Without further ado, my guest, Bonnie Lithgow. I'm here with actually someone I'm really impressed to meet. I've known so much about her. I am here with producer, choreographer, director, TV presenter, TV producer, Broadway producer, am I missing anything out? The lovely <laughs> Bonnie Lithgow. Hello. 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 You made me sound so good. <laughs> uh, you are good. <laughs> Doesn't anyone tell you that? Oh, well, you know, you, I, I think with myself, I, I believe that what I give is... I don't know what it... That is good. Yeah. And I believe that it is good what I give, but at the same time, I still feel I need to learn. I, there are still things in my life when I'm... Even when I'm watching the actors, I think, hmm, I could do that better. And then maybe I'll watch another director do something. I think, yeah, that's what I need to do. So I think I'm never, ever believing that I'm the best. Oh, my God. I've, I find that really actually hard to believe, to be fair. But it's funny that you said that um, when you said that you've learned from other people as well mm. because I did a little bit of research. You started out as a dancer. Yes. One thing I particularly thought was very interesting was you met Jane Kelly because you were the assistant choreographer for the New Zealand Ballet. Oh, my God, I love Jane Kelly. What was he like? Oh, my gosh, you have done your research. He was wonderful. In fact, for a while, I have two mentors. One was Sidney Poitier. Yes. And the other one was Jane Kelly. And what happened was we were doing a BBC production with New Zealand Ballet Company. And you're right, I was the assistant choreographer. And he was presenting the show. And I found it really hard not to watch him because everything he said and did was professional and I'll tell you the very first time we met him we were in a private dining room and there were 12 of us and I was the last one so he he stood up and he went round the table and said you are Richard whatever you are da 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 and then he came round and everybody introduced himself to 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 him and he came to me and he said there's one person that I don't know, but it must be Bonnie Lithgow. And I went, how do you know my name? So he knew everybody's name. There wasn't anything that that, per, that Gene Kelly didn't do. The, it, when we started the show, it was a big like variety show, and the spot was there, meaning the light was there ready for him to walk into. And I saw him, because I was at the side of the stage waiting to come on and do the dance routine, and I saw him take a breath, relax, and walk into that light. And I went, 
That's wow. what I have to do. Before I do anything, take a breath, just clear your head and walk into that light. Wow. And he taught me that. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, that's incredible to see. Yes, it is incredible. He, and he only ever did only one take or one time. He knew everything. He knew his lines. He knew his dance steps because we were kind of dancing with him a little bit, but he was more the presenter. But there wasn't anything that that man couldn't or wouldn't do. Lovely person, beautiful man. Wow. Yeah. Those years of MGM training obviously would have been instilled in him. I think so. I think earlier in the earlier years, and I, I guess the same with me too, you really had that training of respect. You had that training of knowing what you're doing, knowing the art of entertainment, knowing when to pull back, knowing when to step forward, not overdo it, just... and and not be too demanding either. I think you have to wait that moment and then go into that moment. I'm assuming also to the way of the training is also the way that MGM films was, it's a, it's a long shot, it's a wide shot. Actually, yes, when you think about it that way, you're right, it is a long shot, it is a wide shot. So they've just got to go into it and continue into it and be alive and get, and get on with it. It's not like today, is no. it at all? No, you're right. And those Buzzy Berkeley and it's just one scene and they yes. travel through yes. on, on the jib. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a, a one-camera shot, isn't yeah, it, really? It is. And they've got to keep going. It's um, quite incredible. I mean, we did a lot of that. When we were in... Um, I was in a dance company in the 70s in The Young Generation, which was for the BBC, and we did a lot of that too, you know. We did sometimes... We'd do a dance routine and we'd do the whole thing through because they want to use one camera. And it's quite nerve-wracking, really, mm. because you know you can't really make a mistake. You've got to get it right. They will do it again, yeah. but it is... If you can do something in one camera shot, there was, was it Janet Jackson? She did a dance routine and it was, the whole thing was in one shot. And it was beautiful. I love it. And yeah, yeah you're right about Gene Kelly. He, because the way he that learned. they film it is obviously they're trying to get every step in. They're yeah. trying to get it all. Yeah. I often wonder, you know, when Gene Kelly did Singing in the Rain, now there are parts of that that are, that are in one shot. And I wonder how much was. I'd like to actually know, know the answers to yeah. all of that because I watched that over and over and I think it's absolutely brilliant that number but of course he's getting soaking so then how many times can they do that <laughs> you know it's amazing they have to call in sick the next day and say I've got pneumonia exactly exactly <laughs> oh my gosh is Singing in the Rain your favourite movie it is one of my favourites it's just the dance routines I, I anything that's big and beautiful and lots of dancers you know I love that show and I love Oklahoma and the Seven Brides Seven Brothers because then they did such beautiful numbers dancing was really great and very technical and very great so yeah. yes and singing in the rain has to be it's just yeah brilliant every little touch that he does stepping into the puddles out of the puddles and when he sees the policeman and it, it, the whole thing tells a story and sometimes it could be your story being in the rain being soaking wet and all of those yeah. things you know I think it's amazing and they mastered the art because Seven Brides and Brothers a huge ensemble cast yeah and then that moment that you're talking about with singing in the rain it's just him wide shot yes. coming in yes shot he's hanging on the side of the yes light yeah amazing absolutely amazing such a talented man and I'm assuming that is what you've brought into your show you love musicals you've directed on 
Broadway, is that right? Broadway and yes, West End? Yes, yes, I have, and the West End, yes, I've done oh, quite a few shows, really. Uh, in fact, I'm in the middle of a new one now, oh, wow. um, which hopefully will be next year. I don't know if you remember in the 80s we did um, Beaches, there was a film with Bette Midler, and uh, we're, we're doing stage production of that next year. Oh, really? So, yes, yeah, so that's going to London first, and I'm a producer on this one, I'm actually not directing it. So that's what I was saying to you. It's really interesting because we've done a workshop already, and we've used Shoshone Bean, oh, who wow. is wonderful, as one playing the, one of the parts, and I was just watching the director direct the workshop, and it was great for me because I sat back and watched. Wow, he does it like that. It doesn't do it, perhaps as I would, but I. I learnt from that. So that's next year. That's when we are actually getting to start casting, I think. We're not sure yet. April, May. So that's going to be a big show going to London next year. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yes. With some of the f music that was in the film as well as originals. That's right. There are original songs. In fact, most of them are originals, but, of course, you're going to have the classics. You've got to have those in the show. Mm. So there's that. But, yeah, I've, I've kind of done tours in England. I've done shows in the West End. I've done shows in, in, in the States. I've been, I think I've been everywhere I think you have <laughs> <laughs> in fact yesterday somebody came in um, a, a, a gentleman who's ca who came in and said I'd really like to talk to you about bringing the show to China. Am I <laughs> you are, well, you're transatlantic, you're everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I th I, I'm really interested also too is not only do you have this eclectic mix of MGM movies and musicals and Broadway and West End shows, but do, did you meet the Beatles and you know Cliff Richard? So Yes, um, Beatles, no, I haven't met the Beatles, but I did queue up to see them. I was 14 years old and my parents, they were quite strict, my parents, and I wanted to see the Beatles more than anything. So I told them little fib <laughs> and I left school early and said oh, I gotta go do my homework with my friends so I've got to go and do that and it's really hard because no I didn't I went to Finsbury Park in London and it's a story there were queues about five miles to see the Beatles so I knew I was gonna be hours late but I queued and queued and queued and queued and got my tickets for, to see the Beatles and in the end I mean I told my parents years later they must have thought I was really really seriously taking my schoolwork seriously but I wasn't of course and Cliff, um, Cliff, I've known, oh, you know, since I was about 16, 17, we've known each other forever. And we come from the next village from each other and um, Sir Cliff, Richard, just in case you don't know. And um, he was then doing a film at Pinewood, uh, Finders Keepers, I think. And then I was doing a film to serve with love. And what was really funny was all the girls were in love with Cliff. So we were on the set doing to serve with love. And yet everybody, all the girls used to go off on the set because there was James Bond on one set, there was Cliff on another set and to serve with love on the other set. So it was Sydney Potier. So all the time, Jane Scovell was the director, and all the time he was going, where are those girls? And he knew we were always on one of the sets. So I knew him, I've known him all of my life, his his family, his sisters. And, wow. And we're friends to this day. You know, we um, both have a place in Portugal. I'm about 35 minutes away, I suppose, from him. And we play tennis together, and he's a really good player. And when we play doubles, I... I pray I don't play with him because he's so good and he he knows I'm not as good as him and he's so polite. He says to me, he says, oh, that wasn't a bad shot, but it'll be better next time. And I go, oh, he's so funny. He's um, the most beautiful, beautiful man probably I've met. And 
You know, you know when you see a friend that you don't maybe see for six months, but you just pick up where you left off. Mm. He's one of those. Mm. We always have the summer together, or and maybe a drink round Christmas. And in fact, mm. I'm seeing him in a couple of weeks as it happens. <laughs> but but he's just gorgeous in every single way. Lovely man. But there's a, there's something really nice about beating someone and know that you can beat them. So is there anything you can beat him and feel good about? <laughs> Um, can I beat Sir Cliff Richard at anything? I don't know. Or oh, probably eating faster. We both like piri-piri chicken and chips. And I can beat him in eating my piri-piri chicken and chips in Portugal than he can. <laughs> so definitely that. Um, tennis, probably not. I think I can make a better curry than he can. But he makes really good Yorkshire tea bag. Tea. He makes good tea. But... Um, that's so That's English. I, I lived in London for a bit, so to make a good tea, yeah, yeah you want a friend like that. You do want a friend like that. And I reckon I'm a better driver than him. <laughs> you have to be around London. Yes, you do, and in Portugal, let me tell you. Yeah, and yeah. I, Portugal is obviously somewhere that you went as a child. I did. Yeah, and you spent with your grandparents at somewhere. I, it hasn't changed all those years. No, I've just come back, funnily enough, because I was judging um, a big... Well, I'm, I'm patron of world dance, mm -hmm. and... Um, oh. <laughs> And um, I went over there to judge. There were 6,000 dancers there. And I think it was 59 countries. And we were judging all these different countries. And there were, the age group was five years to, I think it was 25 dancers in all areas, from duets to solos to acrobats, you name it. And I'd never been to Braga before. And that's north of Portugal, about an hour. Stunning. I mean, such a beautiful place. And as you said, I, I grew up with my grandparents a lot of the time in the summer holidays, and they lived in Sintra, so I picked up the Portuguese language. No monto bom, but if mais ou menos, I picked up the language. What does that mean? Um, I did it not very well, oh. but it's not too bad. <laughs> Actually, when I, what was funny was when I was doing this dance competition, I greeted, there's a huge photograph of 6,000 dancers in this park, and I spoke to them in English, and then I finished it off in Portuguese and there was this roar like because I was so surprised that I did that but yes Portugal hasn't changed much it's really very still old old and I went to get my nails done and it cost me 10 euros <laughs> and I, I've told everybody 10 euros to get my nails done I went oh my god <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so yes I love Portugal I love everything it stands for I love the people and I just We've made so many friends there now. Mm. Um, my brother lives there, so we have lovely days. We might, because we're, we're all our, our friends are into tennis, we'll um, have lovely days. We're, we'll have a group of us and we'll go over and play tennis. And I usually make some terrible curry. I'm not the greatest <laughs> cook. And um, then we'll have a, a, a glass of wine and sit down to mm. watch the sunset. And it's mm. a beautiful, it's beautiful, really beautiful. It is beautiful. And you're here in Australia. You, you live here part of the time, is that, is that right? Yeah, I've got a place up at the Gold Coast. I'm not going to ask you which is better, the beaches in Portugal or... Well, I can tell you absolutely, <laughs> the Gold Coast. Really? The beaches are stunning, stunning. They are. I love Portugal, but the beaches... And some of the beaches are really good, but um, in the Algarve down south. But no, when you go to the Gold Coast and you just look at that expanse of mm. sand and sea and... Oh, no, you can't beat that. <laughs> you definitely can't. I love the fact that you're a patron for the World Dance because yes. you also... People might remember 
remember you as being So You Think You Can Dance? I hope they do because So You Think You Could Dance was so much part of my life that I loved it so much and I would like to think that they still remembered me for that. Certainly when I go to the patron and do all these thousands of kids <laughs> all over the place, they, they do remember me. And I, and what is nice, by doing that show as well, it's brought, it's brought the Australians over. We actually got two goals this year in, in the world dance, some wow. of the kids. And so because of So You Think You Could Dance, I was able to bring kids that, that I knew that were growing up, take them off to Australia. And they've done really well in some of the duets and some of the other things. So what I think I've done is be thankfully for So You Think You Could Dance, which obviously started in, in the States, of which I did three series of that. Because of that, that gave me, well, made me well known in Australia, I mm. guess. But doing that, that then gave me the opportunity to get dancers to go further afield, to go. I actually, I auditioned a dancer in America from Australia. She wow. was in Australia and she knew me from So You Think You Could Dance. Wow. And she was doing some work over there in, in, in America. And there she was. And now I've just opened up a huge family in Australia that I can actually help. My whole point really is to give opportunities, to give opportunities to young dancers, to dancers, to actors, to make, expand their lives like it did mine when I did I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So that expanded my life and it was just great to do that. And I, and, and I just feel that um, what I can give to young Australian dancers to American dancers, to UK dancers, is to bring them together, to make their dancing career better than it was. If that's what I can do in my life, then I'm happy. Mm. I, 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 that's what I find so interesting about your career because you've moved into pantomime. It's huge in, in Britain. You've moved it not only to Australia, but also you and your son do yes, it over in America. That's right. In we LA. do it in America. It was his idea, actually. He decided, I think it was about 10 years ago, because England for me was, I was like panto queen over there, and I did so many. And then and my kids, when they were very little, they used to come with me to all rehearsals, so they grew up with panto. And England grows up with panto. They go yeah. every year. It's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And um, so what we did he said to me, why don't we bring it over to America, which is what we've done, and then consequently after that, we've brought it over to Australia. And hearing that noise in the background <laughs> is our little ones over there who are in the actual show and they're so excited. But yes, I, I, I felt in my... Honestly, by being in Australia, and again, you've got to thank So, um, so You Think You Could Dance, I went to see several shows, but what I felt was there wasn't enough shows for children and families, not just kids shows, but family shows, that I wanted the adults to laugh, the kids to laugh. I wanted to round off. I wanted to be able to give opportunities, maybe to children who have never been in the theatre before, mm. to come in and actually be part of the panda, because it, we do take, to, take away that fourth wall, so those kids are going to be able to scream and shout, and I want their first experience of theatre to be a wonderful experience, and so that was part of my thinking, that let's bring it down to Australia, because it's so joyous in England, and it's now fantastic in America, where I think, well, I don't know what season we're on, but I know I've got to go North Carolina and Los Angeles this year, so I've got those to deal with. And it seems to be, I just now, I'm doing one after the other, one after the other. But I don't mind that because it's just fulfilling 
my, myself and I believe the lives of different families. Yeah, I see that from you, that you want to share the joy. I do. They're definitely on stage. And the difference between Australian panto and British panto, there's such an enriched history with it. You've got the um, yeah. the dame, which I believe is the gender crossing. Yes. And you, we don't have that in Australia, but it's definitely in England. Definitely. In fact, we've got an English dame this year. Oh, wow. We've got Malcolm Lord, who is our British dame. He's very well known in England, and he's one of our top five, I mm. would say, over there. So I, I, you're absolutely right. I couldn't get it right here because you don't understand it. And I didn't want, a, much as I love transvestites, because I really don't mind whatever, but it doesn't always seem right and sit well in panto and you have to be very careful about what people might say and that you get complaints and you've got to be very careful so last year we drove to the north of England and, and Malcolm was actually in panto and I watched him and thought that is the perfect person if I could bring Malcolm over here it would show Australians how a dame should be mm. and so this year that's what we've done we brought him over from the UK and he's sweet and he's lovely and you never think to yourself Oh, it's a man just up in women's mm. clothes. You feel he is the mother to Jack mm. Trot. He is the mother to Simple Simon. And that's the feeling I wanted to get. Mm. But um, understandably, I didn't know how to get it here. Yeah, because the role of the dame is is prestigious. So, yes. we, so Ian McKellen has played one of yours. Yes, yes, exactly. That's what I mean. It is one of those things that it's got to be right, I think. Mm. It's just got to be right. Mm. And there's also another rule where it says um, the good enter one side of the stage <laughs> and the bad enter the... Is that right? You have done your history. <laughs> you really have. Yes, that's exactly right. And I stick to those rules where um, always the goody comes from stage right and the baddie comes from stage left. And if they're on together, they can come up to the middle and be like that, but there's the invisible wall in the middle and they don't cross that invisible wall, the pair of them, and they have to come on that side and they have to go off that side. Yeah. That's, that's, that's panto rules. <laughs> and there's another panto rule they don't know yet. I'm going to tell them later on today. It's a British thing. So they've done the panto and they've done all the bows. And then at the moment, they, I've asked them just to do a, something in rhythm, which is like, di da 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 They don't know what they're doing. But what it is on the opening night, and I'll give it to them maybe tonight, they have each one more line. And it's something like, and now the show has come to an end and hope you've all got become our friends. So it goes one line, one line, one line, one line, one line, eight of them, then close the show and that's it. But traditionally in England, we don't give that those lines out to the opening night, but I feel a bit mean. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna give, them, give those lines to them at the end of the second dress rehearsal wow. today. And so then they have to come on and just do those last lines mm. on the night. And I love that tradition. And it's great for kids because if kids can talk all the way in the middle. Like yes. They're encouraged to boo. Yes. They're encouraged to scream. They're encouraged to yell. Completely different to say a normal theatrical experience with musical theatre where it's Phones off. Yeah. Be quiet. Yes, it, it is tremendously different because, to be honest with you, without the audience, I don't have a show. Mm. So we always encourage them to join in. I mean, in England, you can't even hear yourself speak. I mean, sometimes they have to they have to jump cue to cue because really? you can't. They're so loud. They're so incredibly loud. But here, yes, I want the kids to enjoy themselves. I want them to be part of it. We are taking away the fourth wall. They can shout back. We had one little boy once. It was Dick Whittington, probably one you don't know, but it means that the evil person takes all the money from from uh, Dick Whittington and so he takes it away and one little girl from the right at the back walked all the way down to the front because we were all accusing somebody else in the panto and she went that's not true that's not true he didn't do it 
King Rat did it. It wasn't it wasn't Dick Whittington, and the whole show was like, oh well, where do we go from here? But those are the things that happen in Panto. You know that that's um, part of what we do. And if a kid comes down, we have to deal with that. Mm. So it's all part of Panto, and it's all part of 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 what I want really. In England, I think it's like a million people turn up every year because Panto is very British when it comes to Christmas. Yes. So we have a kind of like a maybe a Christmas in July situation where you've been coming here for the last five years. Is that right? Six years, Six actually. Years. Six years. Wow. I know. Um, yes, we didn't know what, what time of year to do it, but we couldn't get the sets. All the sets and costumes come from London, so we had to get them over, and we couldn't use them in in November, December, because they're obviously on big shows. Mm. This set here come, comes from the London Palladium. Yeah. So it comes from really great theatres. So that was part of the problem, and I didn't know when to do it. But because of the Christmas in July, it seemed an appropriate time, plus the fact in your winter, no, your summer, when it's it's December. Everybody's on the beach. Everybody's not home till nine o'clock at night. They're all having barbies and drinking a glass of orange juice. So I thought that this has got to be wrong. It needs to be cold and cozy. And so Christmas in July seemed to work. In fact, it has worked. Yeah. And Pantos are always based on fairy tales. And this is Jack and the Beanstalk. And one thing that I read about is that this is the first time you're bringing a 3D Panto. You're absolutely right. This is Jack and the Beanstalk, and it is the first time that I have ever directed 3D. You should have seen me, because you, you actually get you, you get the screen in, and you see the film, and then you have to make the actors work with the giant coming out to the audience, the rocks being thrown out. So you have to actually choreograph them. So even when you see the 3D and they're climbing up the stairs, all the actors are doing is just kind of walking up the stairs, but doing nothing. They're on the spot. So it was really hard for me, because suddenly the giant's hand will come out over the audience, I've caught them flat on the floor underneath it. So it's it was, oh gosh, you know, I was actually nervous about doing that because I thought I'll do it badly. But in actual fact, now I've done it, it looks really good fun and it's really fun to do. But it was actually quite difficult because the actors are really not doing very much. And of course, they don't have the glasses on. You've got to put the 3D glasses oh, so on. So in the audience is wearing 3D glasses? Yes, they've got to put the glasses on. But the actors don't have them on. So they're seeing the screen a bit blurry, yeah. but they have to react in the right ways. Oh, wow. And they have to be tight exactly. What kind of skills did you use to engage in choreographing then? Something that's very different to say dance. Uh, well because really they're actors that only have to put their, their selves in the giant's castle so it's all steps it's all because the screen is moving but they have to be like carrying on so it's really only steps and actions so when they see a spider they are looking out oh there's a spider duck so it's it was choreographed for actors so it's really just movement to work with the 3D but it does work, but it was actually quite hard to do. Wow. Well, I also read you've actually performed for the Queen. I have performed for the Queen, um, and, and in fact, I've actually worked with the royal family on a couple of royal variety shows, but I have worked for the Queen, and I did a show at the London Palladium and it was when we were in the young generation and I was the very first person to come on so you backstage and you watch the monitor and you see the Queen coming through and then you you all stand up she all sits down and we do the anthem and then I run on and start the whole number I'd only been doing the number for about three seconds and the heel of my boot broke and I had like a three minute number to carry on I'm thinking oh my goodness oh my goodness I've got to keep going so I did the whole routine like flat toe flat toe flat toe flat toe trying to do the whole routine in front of the Queen but it was just a horrible situation. But yeah, I have met her and it's absolutely wonderful. And I have done a couple of charity shows for them as well. So for Children in Crisis was a role show that I did for them. So just before we go, Jack and the Beanstalk, um, the actors that we've got here coming 
on the show? We have Peter Rosethorn. We have Richard Reed. We have Jimmy Rees. That's Jimmy Giggle, but we have to say Jimmy Rees because I didn't allow to say that. And we have Lock, Lachlan Deering and Lucy Dorak. We've got her as well. She's absolutely amazing. And we have Anastasia Feneri. We've got Malcolm Lord and Luke Jocelyn. Why should everyone come and see the show? I think everybody should come and see the show because it's a family show for every single person. I want kids to laugh, cry, scream, and that's why I think they should come. It's two hours of entertainment. In this world that, that we have at the moment, there are times when you need to get away and have some fun. And I'd much rather families come to the theatre than switch on the TV. So that's why I want them all to come to a two-hour spectacular family show at the State Theatre. Oh, Bonnie, thank you so much for your time. I've seen a couple of the acts here. It looks absolutely spectacular. I can't wait to come and see it with 3D glasses. You're an absolute treasure. You've mm -hmm. done so much. Thank you for coming and bringing Panto to Australia and making it a new form of entertainment for us and families. And thank you so much, Bonnie Lithgow, Jack and the Beanstalk, 3D pantomime on at the State Theatre. Thank you. You said that extremely well. <laughs> And thank you very much for having me. <laughs> that was the amazing Bonnie Lithgow. She is such an inspiration. Jack and the Beanstalk, the 3D pantomime, is currently playing at the State Theatre till July 21. I've got to say, this pantomime has the best 3D graphics, better than I've seen at the movies, and it really adds to the immersive experience sitting in the audience. There were screams and lots of laughter from the little kids, just as much as the adults. It's a great night out for everyone these school holidays. Just remember to boo loudly and get involved. It is a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to hear more about Bonnie's future projects, including the new musical Beaches, set to open up at the West End. I would like to thank my guest, Bonnie Lithgow. This has been Let Me Entertain You Inside the Minds of Musical Theatre. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, share and tell your friends. And most importantly, go and see a show. Nice to be in orbit.